0: Welcome to Industry Insights, a podcast for, by and about the film industry from the Berlinales European film market, produced in cooperation with Goethe-Institut and co-funded by Creative Europe Media. Today's episode was developed in partnership with the World Cinema Fund, and my name is Johanna Koljonen. I'm a media analyst, strategic consultant and experience designer based in Sweden. Today's topic is audience development strategy, a way of approaching how to connect an audiovisual work with its potential audiences. Now, of course, we as an industry have always done that, but the growing size and complexity of the content markets and all the things that are competing for audience attention today have made it more necessary to structure these approaches and to apply them in a systematic way. So during this last decade, as the need for audience development strategy has grown, the methodology has also developed into both a strategic approach and a practical toolbox for creating audience awareness and audience engagement. And maybe especially to do so from a very early stage of development through collaboration across historical industry silos and through active listening to the story, to stakeholders and to audiences. And ideally, this process would also be dynamic and even playful in a way that makes the work of communicating your film as creatively rewarding as the work of making it. With me today to share their experiences are two award-winning film producers with deep practical experience in audience strategy. That's Paula Vink from Brazil's Vulkana Cinema and Valeria Richter, who literally wrote the book on this topic. But first, I'd like to welcome Isona Admetje Font from the Berlinale World Cinema Fund. When Isona and I spoke before, she described audience development strategy as engagement and seduction. And I love that because engagement and seduction, that's at the heart of all storytelling and therefore something we as an industry could be great at and should be great at. Isona,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you, Johanna, for this great introduction. And maybe we
0: should just start if, with you telling us briefly uh, about what the World Cinema Fund is, in case people don't know.
1: Well, the World Cinema Fund is the funding institution of the Berlinale. It was uh, born in 2004, and since then we managed to support the production and the distribution of more than 200 films from uh, regions where there is a weak industry due to economic and or political reasons. Uh, the regions uh, we, we are focused in are the Latin America and the Caribbean, Africa, the Middle East, Caucasian region, uh, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, the Pacific, and for the World Cinema Fund Europe program, we also added Ukraine, Moldavia, and Belarus. And we are focused on film uh, production support and film distribution and also post-production. And since uh, a couple of years, we started uh, a program of audience strategy connection, really, with the idea to... Uh, help uh, filmmakers from these regions who have even more difficulties to access the, the market channels, to have the opportunity to, to show their films and that they uh, reach the, their potential uh, reaching the audiences they are meant to.
0: So this is interesting because I think your title is coordinator, but I, I know that you are also, among other things, an audience design consultant. So... So in practice, like in the actual day-to-day work of the fund, how how do audience design and audience development strategy fit into that?
1: Well, to start with, just to explain that I'm not a filmmaker. I'm sociologist and cultural manager. And maybe this is the seat for this passion because uh, coordinating the World Cinema Fund, I have yearly access to like 400 projects from these regions where there is an uh, amazing talent, where... uh, Uh, amazing topics, uh, amazing visions. And somehow uh, we had the feeling that we are not doing enough for these films to to be seen, for these films to... And and that was really the the first seat. And that's when we uh, heard about the work uh, done by, by the Torino Film Lab who are also friends, colleagues, and, and cooperators. And what the, was the really the, the small start for uh, what's been uh, going on in the past two, three years. It was during pandemic time, but in the shadows, we were doing all this work of uh, making pilot projects, uh, starting cooperations with institutions, from, with local institutions from these regions, and starting to give shape to this uh, World Cinema Fund uh, audience strategy on the road. So
0: audience strategy on the road, as I understand it, it's a, yeah, it's a kind of roadshow. You take these workshops to, uh, let's see if I remember this, I don't have it in front of me. I know you've been in Wagadugu. I think you've been in Locarno, you've been somewhere in
1: Brazil. In Cuba as well, in collaboration with uh, Nuevas Miradas and expanding uh, also this, this initiative. But the idea is to, to give energy to this transfer of knowledge route, this communication, sharing this methodology, sharing this toolbox with uh, filmmakers from this region so they are able to apply it to their own projects and to Bring into their own uh, value change or uh, working processes.
0: Yeah, I also know that you give out some awards for for excellence in audience design, which is actually such a smart way to put, to focus attention on on this. Uh, on this field,
1: it's about working with one project, but as an example to share this methodology. So it's a kind of win-win situation. Also for us, because in this process we are learning a lot. We are also uh, waving new relationships and and a kind of uh, another kind of way of of working together, which is one of the slogans of the World Cinema Fund.
2: Yeah.
0: So later in this podcast we're going to go much deeper into how this work is actually done, but I did want to ask you specifically about about who these audiences are to you. So is it we're talking about cinema audiences or audiences throughout the lifetime of of the work?
1: We understand audiences in the in the greatest scene. For us, audiences are uh, all the. R- Relation established uh, for a project uh, throughout the whole process. We consider audiences not only the person who is going to buy uh, the ticket to go to the cinema or who is going to click uh, to watch the f- the film uh, on in a virtual platform. We also consider. in in this process these all B2B audiences from the industry uh, fundings investors programmers uh, markets also the way to share the the way to share the process the project sorry through the dossier and through the pitch those are uh, we, we understand that they belong to the same system and to the same strategy so we think in audiences in the based scene of of the concept
0: that's super interesting because of course yeah I mean especially I think funders and other gatekeepers are such important audiences to niche work to that you have to pass through first to get to to the other stages thank you ever so much Isona you will stick around for the conversation and I will invite you back at the very end of the podcast for reflections and for some information some exciting information I feel about the World Cinema Foundation distribution funding but now it's time to introduce our next two guests first Valeria Richter who is a creative producer and scriptwriter who develops, writes, coaches and consults internationally. She's produced features and documentaries through her own companies, Pebble and the Nordic Factory Copenhagen. She runs a TV show in collaboration with Finnish production company Buffo. Uh, She's currently involved with a holistic script development program called New Nordic Narratives, which she has co-developed. And of course, she is also a highly respected teacher and indeed head of studies at the Torino Film Lab. And the Torino, Torino Film Lab is the context that's provided the most structure for her thinking and learning about audience design. And in 2018, she co-authored the Torino Lab book, Audience Design and Introduction. Valeria, welcome to the show. Thank you so very, very much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And here today is also Paula Vink, film producer and co-founder in 2018 of Vulcana Cinema, which is focused on arthouse films, first features, co-productions and the international market. I should perhaps mention this is a Brazilian company. Throughout Paola's career, she is, uh, films that she's produced have been screened, for instance, in Berlin and Cannes, including uh, last year when El Empleado y El Patrón was uh, in the Kinzán at um, the Kinsan at Cannes. And this year, Swing and Sway was screened at Sheffield Dockfest, and it opened the Olhar the Cinema, which is the international film festival in Curitiba in Brazil. Paola's work, of course, represents a kind of film that is increasingly squeezed in the media landscape, but uh, it seems from the outside that her attitude just is that then you have to do more work. And in fact, her audience designed for the film Casa no Campo, who recently won a World Cinema Foundation award. This film, uh, I think the international title is A House in the country. It was also just presented as a work in progress uh, in San Sebastian. Welcome to the show, Paola.
3: Thank you, Johanna. You introduced me better than myself. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Rizona, for the invitation to be here. It's a pleasure to share thoughts with you about audience design.
0: Well, let's start with the word then. So in this conversation, I think we're going to use the terms audience development, audience design, audience strategy, uh, and different combinations of these uh, quite interchangeably. And I think we could talk for an hour just about the nuances of these different terms. But using whichever words you prefer, how would you define or describe what audience uh, design strategy means for you? Valeria?
2: Yes. Um, Audience design for me is like this umbrella thing now where it can be audience engagement, it can be audience awareness, audience strategy. All of that can be underneath that umbrella for me. It's very much about um, the idea that we need to think about our audiences in order to anticipate them. And I just came from the World Conference for Screenwriters and, of course, their screenwriters, some have frustrations about writing for the market. And that's not what this is. This is writing what it is you want to write, but to, with an audience in mind, in order to empower yourself, in a way, to to also, to jokingly, you can say, to get better dressed, to make de- better decisions further down the line, when you start meeting sales agents and PR people and marketing people and distributors and so on. So
0: you're kind of not, yeah, so you're not writing it for the market, but you're writing it, which is a commercial kind of evaluation. You're writing it for audiences who may be very uncommercial
2: indeed. Yes, it's, it's it's because screenwriters and directors sometimes feel like that it would interfere with their story. So it's not that audience design tells you how to tell your story it asks you to consider what are the goals you want to achieve with your story. Who do you want to engage with? Who do you want to, who are you writing it for? Like, who would you love to sit and engage with your film and to start getting an idea about that? So uh, I'm thinking that's where we work with these audience personas, for example. And to understand, I really want a female audience, but then you realize, I actually don't have one female character or the one female character I have, you know, it's a bad example. But it, sometimes these things actually do happen in our labs. So, Yeah.
0: What about you, Paula? What does it mean for you?
3: Well, for me, it's uh, one, uh, one more of step of filmmaking, like the other ones we have, like developing, financing, um, script writing. So it's an important one. And it's also a tool, that, uh, a creative tool, Inventive tool that can join and bring the team of writers, directors, producers, co-producers together, like to put them in the same film, to, to have the same goals, to, to build a strategy to how to reach the goals of the project, of the writer, director's idea, how can you find the place? How can you find the right partners? So for me it's like important tool and a creative process. Uh, to, to, to help uh, build and make the film.
0: For me, who has a deep background in experience design, this the fact the word design there is so important because it means you test and you try and you learn and you develop. And it's very, so it's very clearly to me like a creative process. It's not a you don't do this in an Excel sheet, you you do this on a whiteboard and you do this, you know, with with creative tools
2: first. With post-it
0: notes. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. So looking back at your careers, when did you realize that audience strategy was part of your job, Uh, Paola, for instance, as a producer?
3: Well, uh, not in the very beginning. Maybe when I was doing my second feature film that I started to think about that. And later on, when we won the World Cinema Fund Audience Design Award, was the, the time that I was really able to think what, is, what it is to design an audience strategy and how it is to do it and how good it can be, how pleasant and fun. That, that's when...
0: I'm going to ask you later, by the way, about the audience design for your latest uh, film. But what about you, Valeria? How did, how did this get into your life?
2: Uh, well, it was sort of following the time where transmedia was this big thing. And it came out of the fact also that I think there was a period around 2010-11 where it was getting harder to get sales agents, harder to get minimum guarantees, to, you know, find producers up fr- sorry, distributors up front. And so we started to think that, especially the outhouse films that were very much the films that were in Torino Film Lab at that time, that they would need to start thinking about an audience in order to sort of bridge at least content and mentally to, to bridge that, that road towards the audience and sort of consider their relevance I think and I think in your also in the Nostradamus I hear you talk about relevance all the time and I think <laughs> it's something we really need to ask ourselves so it's it's where it's we're artists but we're and we're storytellers but we don't do it in a vacuum and there is a financial side to everything so obviously we need to consider who are we making it for um, I
0: I should explain to the listeners, the Nostradamus report is this sort of industry report that I've released annually. But we've also been around for about 10 years and you're right. At the beginning, it was so much about audience, about thinking about the audience was at the heart of all of the problems uh, in a way. And I wanted to say that like we have solved this problem in the last 10 years, but I'm not sure we have. I mean, after you had already worked for, I think, eight years developing these concepts in Torino, then you did write a handbook. and this. So that was maybe around 2018, yes. right? Yes. And the handbook is available as a free download. I think it's great, but like, would has your thinking changed? Would you still recommend it?
2: Yes, I think the first half, which was more like taking the temperature and sort of motivating why we did it, is less relevant now because obviously every with every year the market changes. So you can kind of skip the first half and just go to part two, which is more of a um, list of tools uh, like Paula was just saying about setting goals. And I think actually today what is really close to my heart is how thinking about, and I think what Paula said confirms this also, it's a tool, it's something to play with to empower yourself and the team, to get different gazes on your project. Like, what if this type of audience, what if this type of audience... It it sort of shines different lights on your story, which can help the story development as well. But it's also playing into the whole sustainability that we're grappling with now, with the green shooting and so on. It opens up for better pre-production, for better planning, for how to prioritize your resources better, and also to make sure that you have the materials that you need for the promotion, so that you you make the best use of your pre production, production, post production, and get materials for the marketing through that by having thought about it beforehand.
0: That's actually you refer now quite casually to something that that felt uh, super important to me there at, at the beginning, which is about I think a lot of creatives are a little bit scared of this because. I mean, I so certainly still hear, hear pitches when I'm on, on pitch juries where will you ask, who is this for? And they say, oh, everybody or all adults, you know. And, and it's not for everybody, but they're afraid to perhaps to say a specific target audience because then it feels like you're excluding everybody else. But this process can also be about identifying target audiences that you couldn't even imagine, finding, as you said, more perspectives uh, on the work.
2: Yeah, I think it would be the other hand,
0: very interesting yeah. to hear Paula's. Um experience of this. Well, yes, for sure. For, for instance, do you have that concern, uh, Paula, that, that, that targeting films will exclude some audiences?
3: No, I, I don't feel like that. I feel it's a way to reach the potential audience of the film because it's impossible that a film is for everybody. I don't think so, that that would be a possibility. Even the huge blockbusters, I don't believe they are for everybody. And uh, I don't feel it's excluding. I feel it's defining. And I, I agree that sometimes writers are afraid of defining the audience and they think you are trying to niche, to like, to make, make them write to some kind of audience in mind. But it's not that at all. It's like to, to try to find which audience would engage with the story the writers wants to tell. And sometimes, yes, you can... Push the script further towards the, the the audience you wanna reach, but it's not like an obligation or something that you
0: do just for the market. I I think if we if 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 we had a time traveler now or somebody in the film industry who has been in a coma for 15 years and they wake up and listen to this conversation, they would think, why is she talking to producers? Isn't this a sales and distribution problem? And and I think it, I mean, to me, it's kind of obvious why why you have why this is already in pre-production. This needs to be there. But how can how would you answer that question? Why shouldn't why can't just sales and distribution take care of all this?
2: It's too late. And too late it, in the process. And I also think it's about taking responsibility for what we're putting out there. It's 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 cool that we have our artistic processes, but we also. Right now, the system that we're working in also demands us to pitch our projects to get money, for example. And then we we have to go into the pitch format, which is selling our project. And already there, and also when we make applications, more and more funds ask us to have audience strategies, marketing strategies, green strategies. And it feels like this burden in a way for the financing. It's like, oh God, we have to fill in another application. And they're asking us all these things. So I think what I've come to since 2018 is to really start looking at it. And I'm so happy when Paula says that it can be something that can be a great tool that can open up things. So it should be an asset that we can see how can we make these things assets for our project, that we have an idea about an audience. It makes us also make better decisions Um, if we don't have unlimited Resources and unlimited budgets. We need to make choices all the time. So the more that we can become more precise about the vision we have for the film, the goals that we want to achieve on a personal level for our careers, for the project, what should the project achieve, that we know, okay, we want festival or we want to sell a lot of tickets, or it can be qualitative goals or quantitative goals but also to extend that, to think about the goals for the audience, like, and for society. Like we have impact as storytellers. What we make can make a difference. And so we're putting things out there and we have a responsibility to consider what that is. And I think the audience and the society plays in there. And the next step for sustainability would then to be think, how does all of this fit into the planet? Like, you know, the planet we're on, what impact are we making? What footprint are we leaving behind with this story that we're telling? So how, do we want to make a change or do we just want to have fun and make money and that's fine? There's no judgment, but just that we become more aware of what it is we're doing.
0: So it seems clear to me that that this process needs to be owned probably by the producers, but who should create the audience strategy, in your opinion? Paula? who needs to be involved in in designing this strategy?
3: Well, for me, the producer mainly, and with the director and the writer, I think it's important them to participate and give input not to be so lonely for the producer to be done to be doing this alone and usually films from latin america or art house films will not have a sales agent attached in the project in the script base phase so you the producer will be alone on on this journey so it's important that the director and writers are open to the process and want to contribute
2: I think that's a very important point yeah. that you're saying because I've also heard from other producers that sometimes it can be a very lonely job actually and, and that's also not sustainable. Like we want, you know, to have independent producers and we want to make them feel that that they don't want to kill themselves over doing a job that they actually love. So so it's also about, yeah, I think supporting um, to create structures where we feel supported and also if we know why, it, 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 it helps build together, I think, also for the team, the why we're doing this and why are we sacrificing this or why are we choosing this or prioritizing in this way so everyone gets more on the same page in a way. But this, the strategy is like a living document. So it, it's it starts out, and then as you move along it develops because then suddenly you get a new location or you get a new co-producing partner and then you update your strategy and eventually you start having conversations with maybe a sales agent or a publicist or a local distributor and then they become involved in the conversation as well but you're more sure about certain things like what you want or don't want your story or your project to be or to do or to signal and so you can sort of get more to the core of things when you start having a discussion with a distributor. And the thing as well is distributors are also very busy people. They cannot dedicate all their time to your project. So the better you are prepared and already maybe have some ideas about your priorities, the more you can get out of that time you do have with your distributor.
0: And maybe it's also a tool to find the right distributor if you're, yes. you know, and like in in both directions, the right project for the, that specific distributor if you have a similar idea of what it is. As, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking, I'm quite involved with public funding in different contexts. And, and one of the big questions in the funding world, of, of course, is if we lose our money, like if, if we lose, well, as for, for instance, so dramatically has happened in Brazil relatively recently, how can we help when we don't, when production funding isn't necessarily available as a, as a tool for the same, in the same way and then we're talking a lot about capacity building and and knowledge support and maybe one thing that many funds could support with would be yeah like b- being being that partner that allows the producer to not be so alone in the audience design process uh, but of course again it 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 requires the correct people in the correct positions but but that could be helpful.
2: Yeah, I think It was just a quick thought that I think there are a lot of new professions coming out in that way, like the intimacy yes. consultants or the echo yeah. consultants or green shooting consultants. And it's the same. We used to think, I don't know how many years ago, but a script consultant was not a natural thing. And then it became like you could put it in the budget for a media application to have an a script editor, a story editor. And now it's like the audience designer or the outreach producer or, you know, all these different titles that are swimming out there. But it's, it's also people that sort of you hire them for a limited time and then they go about their thing and then they come back in. So these to kind of know that there are people out there who are very interested in working with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask Paula if, if we try to be a little bit more hands-on, could you describe your thought process or your design process uh, around, for instance, Casano Campos, since it's a recent uh, recent uh, example. I should say it's a film by Davi Fretta, who you've worked with since since the beginning from your of your career. But how how did you how did you do the audience design? Actually, when uh, we won the
3: World Cinema Fund Prize for well audience desi- design with Zona. Um, we were in late uh, stage of development of the project so we were still working on the script but it was really advanced and we already have financing in place we already have uh, had two co-producers attached one from France and another other one from Argentina and it was a very good timing because at the point I was not thinking actually in audience design and then we won the prizes and we start to work with Izona, and with Gudula also that was uh, with us in the process and it was a really intense, like a week work for, I, I think it was four encounters of three hours that we really dive in, in the story and we brainstorm together and start to to build this uh, world of Casa Campus and all the feelings and all the core of the the story. And it was really nice because we we were able to bring the co-producer from France together in the discussion. So it was a really quality time together, you know, because uh, otherwise we wouldn't have like 12 hours discussion about that with the co-producers. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was really intense. And I, I think very good, like to even improve the script,
0: I guess. So, yeah, even if you just had sat down and talked in a structured way for 12 hours about the project, that in itself would have been very useful. But, but now I guess you produced something. Did you produce a strategy document? Like what, how did it change? What did you make for you? Yeah.
3: This, uh, this uh, actually will work in a mural. It's like a, a program that was uh, really a, a, a different world that we create many layers for the film in this like, panel with post-its and things. And then after mural that. Mural is
0: like an online whiteboard software. Yeah. So yeah. you created like a, a big digital whiteboard.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And from that, it, it had a 40-page, 40 47-page document with all the findings that we, we achieve by doing this brainstorm. So it was really amazing for me to like build this together and have these documents, which I never th- have done for any films that I I've make. And it's, a, it's really an ongoing tool, because after we did that, I often come back to the document and see the, the things we planned. Where where the film should go, who where should I finance it? Where should I like uh, put the film in a work in progress after shooting? Which partners, which sales agent to contact? Everything was there. We had many findings. From That's this fantastic. Process. So
0: it sounds like you're going to do this again. Yes. I, For I later would projects love to as well. Do, yes. Yeah. Yes. So essentially you're kind of saying that this is the work you would have done anyway? over time, but, uh, but it just yeah. became, it's almost like working together creates this opportunity to, I guess, check that it's all coherent, that it's your, that it's the same plan all the way through. Yeah, that's right.
3: But I guess we, we had more thought. we were more developing. The, the strategy were way more developed. If I was done over time, I was, I was may, maybe going with the flow and seeing the opportunities without... Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Something ...planning like the opportunities. Reactive. Yes. Yeah. Valeria, would you like to add something to this? Uh, how does it sound
2: to you? Does it sound like a good process? Absolutely. And I mean, the whole idea also, um, by, by making the book, was to say, okay, let's take a snapshot of where we are with this now, and then uh, to make it freely avail- available for people to build on it and, and expand it so that it was never like... Uh, something that is, this is how it is. No, this is just a starting point and then take it and run with it. So so that was the point. And I know that others are doing their own workshops now. Some of our alumni have created their own workshops and and uh, other alumni are teaching new workshops. And so it's really lovely that it becomes this thing that gets a life of its own and certain people use it in one way and others use it in other ways. And it's, it's meant to be a tool and it would yeah it's it's just very gratifying to to watch and at the same time that it's still something we need to highlight even if you said you started talking about audiences 10 years ago but it's still something we need to talk about and and i think what audience design does as a tool for the for the core team is also that it tries to identify connections between you and your story and the wider context of the story, and and that wider context expanding to the audience and to the the world that it will take place in. So, and I think, I think we are in a time right now where we need connections. There's so much separation and and trying to to you know tear us apart from each other. And and so I think to actually, there can also be something gratifying to try and look for connections and to find out where how am I connected to this and how does that connect with what I would like to achieve with it out in the world? And I think sustainability, again, is something like none of us, I mean, okay, a few rich people can maybe leave the planet (laughs) in their rockets, but they can't live on Mars yet. So we we are still all sort of connected on this planet. So I I think
0: that's beautiful. And I think and 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 i mean yes like there's this wider sustainability issue but also on a very practical level this is about making individual projects artistically and financially sustainable at the same time and i think my one of my big takeaways from from what i've heard you you both say is that on one hand audience design strategy is a really good toolkit for taking traditional High quality sort of art house filmmaking that's going to have relatively traditional releases probably and do its festival round and do all of, of that path that we know so well and to do that efficiently and to help it you know to help it get made and to help it find its audiences but the exact same toolkit is also useful for creating film films and film content that may not be as traditional in in format. Um, but might still be just as high in quality, of course, and to release it in very unconventional ways. And we are all only now, like in the old-fashioned, quote-unquote, old-fashioned film industry, we are only now learning about all of these other ways of funding and reaching audiences and so on. But it doesn't maybe matter that we don't, I mean, there's so many new platforms and opportunities happening all the time that we don't know. Uh, We need to learn about that. But to be able to do anything with that we, st- we still need to have that audience design work in place first, it feels like. So it's both a, p- a way of sustaining the traditional industry and cr- being part of this new revolution, which is quite strange. But it makes it even feel like, I don't know, like even more necessary. Yes. Yeah. Does, does this make sense to you or am I just rambling?
2: No, it makes very sense. I just have a, a very quick thought here, which is that there is so much coming out about um, artificial intelligence and data you know, data about the audience, data about this, that, and the other. And I think it's important. I mean, audience design is not a sexy cell necessarily out there with the data, but it's so important that we have the people with us.
3: What I think maybe to add, uh, I think that uh, it's also what what I like the most about the process that Izona brought to us that I didn't know at all. So I learned the process as by doing it, it's like a method, a methodology, you know, it's like a method to how to work because otherwise, I, I wouldn't know how to approach this topic with the writers and directors. So, this gave me really a, a tool that I can use and apply in another, other projects. So, probably I won't do as good as Zizona that she mediates very well the process. <laughs> But uh, then I can improve project by project. And I think, uh, yeah, it's a great tool.
0: In no time you're going to be one of those people that other producers locally come to and are like, oh, can you teach us how to do this thing? And so <laughs> on. So, yeah, I, I think we're running out of time, but I would ask both of you to give some, some beginner's advice for people who've been listening to this episode now and felt, wow, this makes a world of sense. What do I do next? What should they do next? Paula, what, what's your advice?
3: Well, uh, I guess just to, to add something, we are. I'm working, and most of us probably that are listening, I'm working with art house author films. There are films that are tailor-made. It's not uh, like fit in a package. Films that need time, that need process, that need people. And sometimes I feel that the marketing is more and more fast and in, in quickly, things hap, happen too quickly. Like you get selected in a festival, then you have to run to do the marketing, to have to run to do the press, and then it's already the commercial release. And in theaters, they, then you follow to VOD, and then you're done. <laughs> so you barely had time to think, and it's over. So my reflection on, on this process is that uh, doing the AD strategy before, it gives you time, and it's crucial for films like we are making. It's not like a it, they, the film doesn't fit in a box, so if you don't give time to them, they, they get lost in the process. So I guess my reflection on this uh, for people that are starting is to actually try to give time to this process, Try to think about it. Download the book from Torino Film Lab, The faleria Yes, download the book. Yes, yeah, can... totally. Think about this process. Research. Talk to people. Talk to other producers. And see how, how people are doing. And try to get informed yeah. and give time.
0: That's great. Uh, yeah, the book is called Audience Design and Introduction. You can find it through Google if you just write that and Torino in the in the field. But we'll link it, link to it in the show notes. Uh,
2: what What about you, Valeria? Final words? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm very happy about um, what Paul has said, and and I think it's like everyone's guessing, and we've always been guessing. And then marketing people tell you that they know, and we have this and that data. But in the end, everyone's guessing. And I think what audience design does is, is that it empowers the film team to be part of making better guessing and to to have an idea about the outcomes and and to be proactive and i think that's really valuable and i think you can see it as as an investment rather than than a burden because it it is just a f- fun tool as well and and i think we do need to consider the cycle that we exist in which is between You know, the money, the people that give us money, they always talk about the audiences. And for us, it becomes this abstract thing. So I think also the first thing that anyone could do listening to this is just ask themselves, what does audience, quote unquote, actually mean to me? Because I'm also an audience. I'm a filmmaker, but I'm also an audience. But what does it even mean for me? And then, uh, yeah, it's not some strange thing. It's just sort of try to brainstorm and look at your. It's tools that help you look at your script and your story from different angles, and that can never harm. I I love it we're ending here, but you just
0: sort of opened this whole can of worms in my brain where I'm (laughs) like, what does it mean to me? Like, oh, but I'm an audience. I'm many audiences. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of workshops are going to come
2: out of this podcast. I can feel that very clearly. Exactly. But I think also if, like, you make a film now for a streamer or something, you think, oh, the streamer will take care of it, but... But, like, you can drown in a streamer. If they don't push your film into certain... who Whose stream do they, do they push your film into at, at a streamer's? And maybe the people you really hoped would see your film, they will just never be found. So, you know, at least you could have maybe reached some of those people during the, the production and the development. And so they might discover it at the streamer because they know to search for it. Because that's the problem. If it doesn't come into my, you know, what they choose for me to to see, then how can I find it if I don't know to look for it?
0: You're so right. Hey, thank you ever so much to both of you for joining us today, Paula Wink and Valeria Richter. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Now I'd like to invite back Isona Advechefond, who's been listening to this conversation.
1: Uh, Isona, what are your first thoughts? Well, my brain goes now at high, high speed because of uh, the many uh, ideas and examples we have but yeah it's yes, to follow <laughs> yeah so i mean what would you
0: did something strike you, I mean, since you also work with this, did something strike you as particularly important? What would you like for all of our listeners to well, take with them?
1: All what was said was really familiar to me because I've been dealing with these topics for the last few years. But, I mean, timing is crucial. I won't say more about that because uh, Valeria and Paula already talk talk about that. For me, it's important to remark that this is a very useful and neutral tool that allows this Active listening of the story, this uh, active understanding of the story, that allows to contextualize the visibility of the film on the on the long term, and also I think it's a. It, It's a big contribution uh, for uh, mind-shaping. So what Valeria was talking about, revolution, I I feel it like this, because in the moment that producers, but not only producers, also directors, also scriptwriters, interiorize uh, this idea of thinking on audience uh, as a parallel process of the development, then the change is going to happen, because, of course, they are going to anticipate, they are going to win, time, and this time will be uh, uh, an example of the quality, of the improvement of the quality of this work, that normally it's done in really in weeks or in months. In the last part, when they reach at that point, they are also tired. The levels of energy are very low, and this allows uh, also to involve the audiences in the, in the development process, story-wise or this is
0: so yeah, important. I, I just realized, I mean, now that you say that, yes, this idea that, and as Paola was describing also so vividly, just taking the time, being being given permission in this case by an external process, but still to give, be, give oneself permission to take time to do a lot of this work up front is going to be such a relief when that part, the part happens when you're running very fast towards you know, to closer to the release. So that's fantastic. And yeah, of course, as you say, uh, including audiences in the creative process, but this is very scary for some creatives. We're going to have to make a separate episode about that.
1: Well, of course, we. there are always people who resist, but uh, but there are always people who welcome uh, these new uh, tools or these new uh, working processes.
0: And I guess if it's the right audience, again, like if it's your audience, then working with them will be liberating. And if it's some other audience, then it will be a nightmare, right? So so then we're back to like the basics here. Just very, very briefly, you all at at the World Cinema Fund are restarting your distribution funding program next year. And as I understand it, the purpose is to support the release and the visibility of films from your focus regions, their visibility in Europe and also elsewhere. Uh, How will audience design or audience development be integrated into this distribution funding?
1: Uh, This was also very important for us and it was actually the result of conversation we had with distributors and world sales working with films from these regions. We dedicated the last World Cinema Fund Day uh, available in YouTube just to discuss these matters. And after this conversation, we uh, we thought, OK, we have to relaunch the distribution, distribution fund because it's important just to give financing something concrete, soft money, but also accompanied by uh, the possibility to work together between world sales and the distribution distributors of the different territories. To understand uh, which are, to, to see if there are similarities in the strategy, to share ways of working. And it's going to be like this we are going to finance the release of films from these regions. The applicant will be the world sales, having, owning the rights for all territories. And they will uh, apply for a slate of countries. European and non-European for the release of the film and during this process we will give time to make consultancies all together with uh, people from the World Cinema Fund from this sociological approach but also from people from the market so we can uh, facilitate this conversation this quality time among them and I think it's going to be a win-win situation because I'm aware and I'm sure that everyone is going to learn by everyone the European distributors are going to learn from the distributors from uh, Thailand or from uh, Argentina or from uh, Uganda, for example, and I think it
0: sounds fantastic.
1: It can be yeah. enrichment. Yeah, I, I, this is
0: really promising and so interesting. We're going to link, of course, uh, again in the show notes uh, to World Cinema Fund, where people can find more more information but I can see I can imagine that there are listeners who are like oh I have a project that is suitable so that's great thank you so much Isona for for taking this time Uh,
1: it was it was a great pleasure actually to be part of this industry inside and looking at the future of the industry also also through this uh, small apportation
0: Thank you. That is uh, all from us today. Uh, Industry Insights is produced by the Berlinales European Film Market in cooperation with Goethe Institute and co-funded by Creative Europe Media. Today's episode was developed in partnership with World Cinema Fund. If you like what you hear, do share an episode with a friend or give us a review on your podcasting platform. It really helps with visibility. We'll be back in your feed in no time.